that um, that we trust him alone and that our hope has gone be- beyond the veil, Lord God, and, and that we are seated with him in heavenly places and, um, and that spiritually everything is right with us because we have trusted in your son. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for salvation and mercy and grace and forgiveness and redemption. And we thank you for all the spiritual blessings that you do pour out on us. We thank you that we are your children and that you love us with that great love. And I pray now, Lord, as we go into this last session, that any questions anyone may have, each of us may have, Lord God, that you would answer those things specifically. Answer our doubts, our fears, our questions, our... Answer it all, Lord God, because we want to go on in you and with you, and we don't want this baggage anymore. So I pray, Father, that this might be the time that we lay it down and leave it behind. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Yeah. We've seen that um, each believer is beloved by God and we have seen that God tests those he loves sometimes in order to take them deeper into a relationship with him. We saw uh, that Daniel was called highly esteemed and that that means actually precious and costly and uh, greatly desired and, um, and we understand it all. And I think that probably there's no one in this room, well, there might be one person, I don't know, I haven't talked to everybody, but I am assuming that everybody in this room wants to go deeper with the Lord. You want to go deeper. Because there's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you do? Yeah, no, you do. Thank you, Kate. Yes, now everybody else put your hands up so Kate doesn't feel silly. Put your hands up. Because you want to go deeper with the Lord. Thank you, thank you. I've got two hands up, I do, so... Um, that was really good. I should have put that in my notes, Kate. Put your hands up. Um, so yeah, we all want to go deeper with the Lord. We all want to. Um, we all want to love Him and worship Him and serve Him. And but we've all got baggage. You know, we've all got baggage. That's the problem. And some of our baggage tells us that God isn't really pleased with us. You know, it, it just keeps reminding us that we haven't got it somehow. We we haven't got it right. That we. Um, you know, that, that my friend Laura, she's got it right, but I haven't got it right. You know, that I'm still not, I'm still trying, but I'm not making it. I'm still doing, I'm using Laura. She hasn't got it right either, but you know. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, usually other Christians that tell you that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know some funny people, Kim. <laughs> oh my goodness, never. Um, no, so we do have things. We have baggage. We have baggage from our past. We have baggage from what we have believed that's a lie. We have uh, baggage from, uh, baggage that we don't even know we're carrying sometimes. You know, that we've just carried with us for so long. I've talked about this before. Sometimes you carry something for so long, it fits so well on your back, you don't know it's there. Yeah. It's in your backpack, you know. And until you actually stop and take a breath and take it off your back and examine it, you don't know that you had that thing, you were carrying that rock, you were carrying that fear, you were carrying that doubt, you're carrying it. And you've been carrying it for such a long time, it's become part of you. And so um, that's yet another reason um, to keep going, to keep going, to keep trusting God, to keep looking in his word, to keep praying, and to keep fellowshipping with other believers. It's absolutely imperative that you, you really... Um, choose to do that. You order your calendar, your diary, you work things out so that you have time to be with other believers because there's nothing like it. 
There's nothing like fellowship around the Word of God. I'm not talking about having a coffee with someone who says they're a Christian, you meet them in church, you go for coffee afterwards. I'm not talking about that. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is getting together with believers around the Word, praying together, being able to share with them, being able to be honest and real with them, not being afraid to say, do you know what, I just don't get that. I just don't get that. Or, I've had a bad week. So you need to be... You need to be um, Asking the Lord to take you into that sort of fellowship, you know, and to help you to find other believers who you can do that with, because we each of us need that all the time. But I want to talk a little bit to, at the end here to um, how can we know that God is pleased with us? How can we know that he is pleased with us? Do we assume that God is pleased with us when we're healthy, when we're happy, and when we all have what we need materially. Please, everybody, shake your heads. No. Do we assume that he's pleased with us when all our prayers are answered? The way we want them to be answered. On what, do you, what evidence do we, or what do we base the evidence of his pleasure in us? How do you really know when God is pleased with you? When we know he's actually guided us in a particular situation. Yes. Often not in the way we would have chosen. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, in, could you turn to Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22? Um, let's just read those couple of verses. Luke chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. Uh, Luke 3, now when all the people were baptised... Jesus was also baptised, and while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So I'm going to, there's a lot of questions in this session, because as I say, it's the last one, you're getting tired. So um, what's announced in Luke chapter 3, and who is it announced by? Go ahead, Anne. Yeah, that the Father is... There you go. Yes, yes. Okay, so we can all go home now, Anne. <laughs> yes, that's part of the story. We're all in Christ, and therefore, when God looks at us, he is well pleased. That's the basic foundational truth of Scripture. If you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you are now and forever a child of God. And God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you because you made that choice. Now that doesn't mean, just like your own children, if you've had children, you love them. You love them. And they never stop being your children. But it doesn't mean that every single detail of their lives is something you'd say, oh, that's so great. I love it when you come home drunk at 3 a.m. You know, it doesn't mean that every detail of your life is exactly the way God would choose it to be, but your state of being is that he is pleased with you. Um, oh, there's a several verses I want to read and go through quite quickly. First Chronicles chapter 29, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 17. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 17. Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, 
I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. If you had only that verse, what would God be pleased with? Um, First Chronicles 29, 17. What would God be pleased with if you had only that verse? Integrity. He'd be pleased with integrity. What's integrity? Being true to yourself. Who are you? Catherine Thornton. Who are you? Don't, I mean, we don't want any gory details. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So God, want, he is pleased with the fact that you are in Christ Jesus and he wants you to be true to the person you are in Christ Jesus. Who are you in Christ Jesus? I mean, I don't, think, I don't mean your name, but I mean, you know, who are you? You're a child of God. You're a child of God, yes. Okay, so what else are you? Who are you? A new creation. And who are you? You are holy in Christ. In, in Christ. You are blameless in Christ. You are free in Christ. You are full of grace in, or blessed with grace in Christ. You can know peace in Christ. You can have joy in Christ. You can walk in truth in Christ. You don't have to lie anymore to safeguard yourself. You can be a person of integrity. All that is required is what? You're in Christ and? And you choose to live as if you are in Christ. You, God will never take your free will away. What he's saying to you is, this is all yours. It's all yours. You can be the person with pure hands and a pure heart. You can be the person who never lies. You can be the person who, who lives with integrity, whose yes means yes and whose no means no. You can be that person, but that is your choice. That's your choice. Romans 8, one, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is true about you as a believer? You're forgiven, there's no condemnation. What does that mean? There's no guilt. There's no guilt. So if you had guilt in your backpack, you need to take it out. What are you guilty about? What have you done? What have you thought? What have you said? What is besetting you? What is the thing that you cannot get over? Because that is causing you to feel and experience guilt, but there is no guilt and condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are set free. Now, it doesn't mean that you never do a thing wrong. And it doesn't mean that you don't have, oh, I'm so sorry, I, why did I do that? I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That's normal, that's life, yeah. that's you accepting I'm still a human being, I still do things wrong, I don't get things right. And then that's you saying, I am so sorry, God, I'm so sorry for doing that. As soon as you do that, what happens? 
He forgives you. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. He forgives you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now, what will the enemy try to do? <coughs> Tell you there is. And how will he do that? Not good enough speaking lies and sometimes speaking truth into your mind. This is what you did. This is what you did. And you've got no defence because that's what you did. That's what you did. So the only way that you can protect yourself from the truthful arrows of the enemy is to hold up something in front of yourself. What do you hold up? The shield of faith. What's the shield of faith made of? It's literally the word of God. This is my God. He says, I am set free in Christ Jesus. He says, I am forgiven. He says, I am beloved. He says that whatever happened before is gone and paid for in Christ Jesus. That my sin yesterday, today and tomorrow is forgiven in Christ Jesus. That all I must do is come to him honestly and receive his love. And I am forgiven. I am a forgiven, redeemed child of God. But you must choose. You must choose to do it. So if you're feeling, experiencing guilt, what are you going to do? You're going to take it out of your backpack. I mean, we're all going to take the backpacks off and open them up. Okay? Open them up. And if you've got guilt in there about anything at all, something that you have confessed and received forgiveness for, then that does not belong in your backpack. And you need to take it out. And no matter how many times the enemy comes at you with that thing, you have to keep saying to him, I'm forgiven. That's gone. It's forgotten. God refuses to remember my sins anymore. He has refused even to remember them. So I'm... That's what you must do. Now, I, I, I'd, like to, I'd love to go around and say, let me have a look at your backpack, Kim. You wouldn't want to look at I know, I wouldn't be able to move on. I know. Too much to rubbish. I know, that's it. And yeah. Anyway, you know what I mean. I want to go around and look at everybody's backpack and I want to say to you, show me what you've been holding on to because God wants you to let it go. Let it go. Why does he want you to let it go? Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> and the process, and the process that God has taken me through, I've been a Christian 25 years, the last two years I've been doing this, has been huge. But it is a willingness to surrender yourself yeah. into the care of other Christians, not just those you have cups of tea with, yeah. and humble yourself yeah. with them and before God. Definitely. And say, do your work in me. Yeah. 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 And that is an incredibly painful yeah, no. So free. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nick. That's what we. That's what we want to do this last session. Thank you. Is is to t- lighten the load. We can't be the people that. <laughs> do you know God what I mean? Just to be with that, can we? No. Well, you well you can, but what God is saying to you is that you're carrying a load of rocks. Actually, I've broken the chains. I've set you free but you've picked up all that iron and you've put it in a bag and you're carrying it with you. Do you see what I mean? The chains are gone. You've been set free. 
You've been set free. Don't keep picking them up. You don't need to pick them up. You just need to leave them behind. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to do anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not going to need forgiveness for things. Of course we are. We live in a human body. We will sin. Go ahead, Maureen. Um, unforgiveness. unforgiveness. That's another one. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the fact that Jesus came and died that terrible painful death for us to be free. Yeah. Why wouldn't we want that? I know. Thank you. They'll be free indeed. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Absolutely. Everyone here, Angela. Um, Christ died a painful, terrible death to set us free. And yet it seems that most Christians, they don't want that set, that freedom. They're afraid of it. They're afraid of it. See, I have terrible... I'm sorry, forgive me because some of you all know, but I have terrible... Uh, I can have terrible guilt about my mother. She lived with me for eight years, and I thought I was loving before she lived with me, and I realised I am so far from loving when she lived with me. She was the kindest, sweetest lady ever. I had a really fantastic mother, and I was mean and horrible. And, and the enemy will bring that back to me over and over and over again. And probably exaggerate it. Yeah, maybe, but he doesn't need to exaggerate it much. It's the truth. So all I'm trying to say is, I could carry that guilt and sometimes you know, the enemy comes with it and it's wrapped up and there it is and this is you, you've got to carry this. And sometimes it, you, when you're feeling a bit low, you can yeah. just take hold of that and take it back. And so it takes everything in me to say, I will not pick that up. Christ paid that price for yeah. me. He paid for that sin. It's gone. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So you have to, I don't know what your thing is, what your thing is from your past, but if the enemy comes at you with guilt and you have, forgive, you have uh, for, uh, confessed that to the Lord, then you have to say no to when he comes to you. I'm not having that. I'm taking that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Mm -hmm. How do you take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ? You speak the truth against the thought that comes at your mind. And you say, I'm not having that, I'm not carrying that. Unforgiveness, guilt, um, uh, yeah. Well, you know, you know what's in your bag. So you can pull it all out and have a look at it. But I think, you know, you need to do that. Why does God want you to do that? I asked that question. Somebody answered it, did they? He wants you to be free. Why does he want you to be free? Well, you are free if you're in Christ, but he wants you to know that freedom, so why? You can move on, yeah, and be more useful, and joy. He wants you to have joy. No. If you're constantly carrying a huge, heavy bag, there's not a lot of joy in that, especially if you've got to walk uphill. You know, and life is uphill a lot of the time. And so if you're carrying a lot of excess baggage, you're not going to make it to the top you're going to give up halfway. So for your own sake, you need to forsake it. And also, for other people's sake, what do you think is the worst witness in the world? Miserable. A miserable Christian. Oh my goodness, I can't carry this away. Yeah. But it's not even that, it's just the guilt, the guilt. I'm a guilty sinner. I'm a guilty sinner. How can I expect any forgiveness from God? How can I go on? You know, I've done this and I've done that. I know Christians like that. 
What witness is that? That says to the whole world, there's no forgiveness in God. That forgiveness thing, that's not true. Even the Christians don't believe it. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since the wisdom of God, the world for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. What is God pleased by? Our faith. You believing a foolish message. You believing a message that looks like foolishness to the world. It looks absolutely ridiculous that you could be saved and that you could be loved. It looks absolutely ridiculous to the world that there is salvation in Christ Jesus. They can't, be, they can't accept it. When you accept it and believe, what does God do? He rejoices. He smiles. You please him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Colossians 1, verse 10. Let's read it. Um, well, verse, sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And I think that I think the thing also is, not that it comes to you and you're to reject it, but that it pleases him when you reject it. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at what actually pleases God. What pleases him? And it pleases him that you believe. And it pleases him that you fight off the attacks of the enemy. And it pleases him that you use his word to do it. Yeah. <coughs> Colossians 1, verse 10. Um, Colossians 1, verse 10. Well, I'm going to start in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. What is a manner worthy of the Lord? Yeah, what we've been talking about? Holiness. How can you walk in holiness? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take it just a little bit further, Angela. How can you walk in holiness? Yes, because Christ is in you. So the road you walk, what sort of a road do you walk? It's a holy road. You are on a holy road with a holy saviour who lives inside you. And you are being made holy as you walk. So, you're walking a holy path. It's really important. Isaiah talks about a highway of holiness. And he talks about the fact that there's no, uh, no lion can get on it, no vicious beast can get on it. They're both pictures of Satan. You are on a holy road. Okay, in Isaiah chapter 10, I think it is, I can't remember, I'll look at it in a minute. No, no lion can come on and attack you, no holy beast. You're just walking this holy road, right? Where's Satan? 
He's at the sides. Yeah. He's at the sides. Okay, you're walking a holy road, being made more holy, trusting that you are holy in the Lord. You're walking on, you're knowing joy, you're knowing peace. And I'm not talking about feelings. Feelings are very deceptive. I'm talking about real definite knowing inside. You're doing this and you're doing this. What's Satan doing? Well, you can't step off the road if you're on the holy road. You can't get off. So, what is he doing? He's shouting at you all the time. What's he shouting? Yeah, but really, you're on that road. Are you sure? Are you sure that's a holy road? And you sure you can't get off that road? Why don't you just come over here with me for a little while? Do you remember? Can you really God has He really put you on that road? I mean, He knows what's in your bag, and I know what's in your bag. And really, I wouldn't have put you on that road if I knew if if I were God. That's what's going on all the time, and you're listening to that all the time. So, what's your response to that? Get lost. <laughs> get lost. Yes, yes, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, get lost. How are you going to actually tell him to get lost? Yeah, and by the scripture, what are you going to say? You're going to say, I am holy in the beloved. I am a child of God. You're going to say all the stuff that we've said this today. And the thing is, you're going to say it and you're going to think, really? Is that it? Is that all I have to do? And what's the answer? Yes, that's all you have to do. Because when you get to Ephesians 6 and he talks about put on the full armour of God and take up what? The sword of the spirit, the only piece of weaponry you have. What is the sword of the spirit? The word of God. What does the word of God do? Yeah, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, but it destroys the accusations of the enemy. It pulls down strongholds. It does all of that. When you speak out the truth, oh my goodness, demons have to flee. And it's a struggle sometimes, and you have to keep doing it, and it doesn't always make you feel great, because it's hard work sometimes. But if you do it, God promises. What does he say? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a promise. James, James chapter 5, yeah. I think. James, yeah. Sometimes hard to recognise whether it's Satan or your own sort of self doubt. And I actually don't think it matters, Kate, because I think we have self doubt. And, and because, because you see, the problem is one of the ways that Satan defeats us or tries to defeat us is to make it look like it's us. Yeah. So, you know, well, this is just the truth about you, isn't it? I mean, you don't always think that that's Satan because what you're hearing is really what you know to be true about yourself. I mean, I know that I am a very shallow individual. Really, that's the truth. In myself, I'm very shallow. I honestly don't know if my faith is, is, is deeper than this piece of paper. I don't. And I could tear myself to pieces about that because I think my faith is paper thin. And if you put anything too heavy on it, it will break and tear. And for a long time, I thought, oh, I'm done. I'm never going to make it through, because my faith is like tissue paper. Until in the end, I read the verse that says, it's the faithfulness of Christ that will see me through. It's his faith, not mine. 
Of course mine's paper thin, so's yours. There's nothing in your life that you can stand. If God de deserts you, you're done for. Get over yourself. He won't desert you. Your faith is paper thin. Get, get used to it. But he is faithful. And he has promised. Who said it? That he who began a good work will see it through to completion in the, same, in the day of Christ Jesus. My faith won't save me. Only his faithfulness will save me. So now, can you see what's happened? I read a scripture that told me it was the faithfulness of Christ that would see me home. And now when Satan comes with the fact that your faith is, is tissue thin, I say, yes, you're right. It is. But it doesn't matter. But I live by the, by the faith of the Son of God. It doesn't matter that my faith is paper thin. He doesn't come at me with that anymore. He doesn't. I don't think those thoughts anymore. I thought them for a very long time, but I don't think them now. That's what I'm saying. This is real. This is real. It, it really, and I don't want to say it works, because that sounds like it's a magic potion or a band-aid. This is real because God is real and because he said these things and these things are alive and they, they, they have life in and of themselves. And as I lay hold of them, I have that same life and that same power. Uh, Luke chapter 4. We'll just read through these. Um, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, <coughs> being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding districts, and he began teaching in their synagogues, and was praised by all. What was Jesus' spiritual condition at the beginning of chapter 4? He was full of the Holy Spirit. What had just happened to him? He'd been baptised and he was full. Luke says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Where did the Spirit lead Jesus? Into the wilderness. Have you been in a wilderness? Are you still in a wilderness? Why was Jesus there? Why was he in the wilderness? He was led there. He was led there. Same as Genesis chapter 22. Abraham was led into that test and Jesus was led into that test. Who does God test or examine? Those he loves. Those he loves. Why does God test us? 
to build your faith, okay? Why, why do you think Jesus was tested in Luke 4? He was about to go out into ministry, yeah. And another reason? So that he might be tempted in all things as we are tempted. Yeah, so that he might be tempted in all things as we are tempted. So that what? Take that thought one step further. So that, yeah, so that he would be without sin, but what else? What's the thing about temptation for us? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. And when you are tempted or trusted or tried, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He will always provide a way of escape that you might stand up under it. What is your way of escape? Not that you can run from it, because I wouldn't you love that? He'll always provide a way of escape so you can get out of that temptation. No, it's so that you can endure it or stand up under it. What is the way of escape? The word of God. The word of God. And the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Who lives in you? The Spirit of Christ. And Christ was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Why? So that when we are tempted, we can do what? Yeah? Stand up. That we can run to his throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Jesus knows exactly what your problem is. He knows exactly what your issue is. He knows exactly what you're afraid of, what you won't let go of, what you can't do. And he says, you can do all things through me. You can let go of everything in your life. There is no issue in your life that I am not strong enough to defeat. Go ahead, Alan. And for all this just mentioned, you just quote the word yeah. which Jesus did. And that's it, that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alan, yeah. Yeah. What wilderness are you in today? I asked that a little bit ago. Are you in a wilderness? And if you are, what is it? I don't, I don't mean that flippantly. I mean, really, if you feel like you've been wandering around in a place for a very long time <coughs> and you keep going around in circles and nothing changes, why is that? I'm not saying that there's an, an automatic easy answer to that. I'm just saying... What is the wilderness you're in? How long have you been in it? Are you being tested in that wilderness? Could that be it? Could it be that God is asking you to really trust him and trust his word? I don't know what your wilderness is. I don't know how long you've been there. I don't know what it feels like. But I know who God is. And I know that he has made the way of escape. How did the testing um, affect Jesus? What did he do straight after? He came out in the power of the Spirit. That's what it says in 14 and 15. And in verse 22, and all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And verse 28... 
And all the people in the synagogues were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down off a cliff. What do you know about when you come out of the wilderness praising the Lord? What do you know? There's going to be different reactions, some good and some not so good. Does that affect your understanding of whether God's pleased with you? So that's what I'm saying. You can't assess your particular circumstances as whether God, and say whether God is pleased with you because of your circumstances, because of whether people are listening to you, because of you, whether you've still got this feeling that you've always had or this burden that you've always had. You can't assess anything about whether God is pleased with you or not except by the truth of his word. So, again, I want to go back to what are you struggling to believe about God? What are you struggling to lay hold of? Because your feelings have nothing to do with the truth. The things that you um, are tempted by have nothing to do with the truth. The wilderness that you're in has nothing to do with the truth. The only thing that has to do with the truth is what God says. We're going to finish in a couple of minutes, but I want to finish with reading Isaiah chapter 6. Because one thing I know, and that is, that today, today, there's a purpose, well, there's a purpose in what God says and what he does. There's a purpose. There was a purpose in you coming, and there's a purpose in what you'll do with what we talked about, and what he said. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's just seen the Lord high and lifted up. And he hears God say, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 17 to 19. Now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city and as a pillar of iron and as walls of bronze against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Acts 26, Acts 26, verse 15 to 18, Acts 26. 15 to 18. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand up on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, <coughs> rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. What do you see in all those three passages? Faith 
Yeah. But what do you see just in those just in those verses? What's God doing? He's calling. Who's he calling? People are already called. People are already his. People who have already believed. He's calling people who have already trusted God. So, okay, look around. Look at you. Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus? Yes, everybody nod your heads. Yes. So, today, God is calling you. What do you think he's calling you to do? To go out, to go out and share good news. What are the responses you're going to have? Mixed, mixed. Is it going to be easy all the time? No, it's going to be hard. Are you going to feel like you're walking uphill? Yeah. So what do you need to do? Are you going to go? Are you going to answer his call and go? Are you going to, from now on, decide that you are going to live for the Lord? If you are, you better take the bag off your back and leave it here. At down Ampney. Leave it here. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Paul, they all took the bag off their back. I don't know what it is, but leave it here. No, he couldn't. Yeah. Will you answer the call of God today? Really? And will you stop thinking that, you know, well, what can I do? Yes. Um, way back earlier on, when you were talking about worship, yeah. um, I was thinking about, I was reminded of that uh, chapter in, in Mark, Mark chapter 5, where Jesus prophesied and he goes and heals the demoniac of Galilee. Mm. Yeah. How ill he was, really. I mean, he was living among the tombs. Effectively, he was buried alive. He was in a very bad state. He was naked. He was completely out of his mind. Yet he saw Jesus and he ran to him. And it says in Mark, he fell down and worshipped him. And Jesus healed him. I don't think any of us are in quite that state here, but that man was completely, completely healed and put in his right mind. And when Jesus left that place, he wanted to go with him. And Jesus said, no, go back home to your friends and your family and tell them about what God has done for you that you are set free. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just feel I needed to say that, that we are set free and we don't tell people because they do laugh at us and they do pick us. Mm-hmm. But actually, if God is for us, who can be against us? Against us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, actually it's a... You've just said a very good way of saying what I've said in my last paragraph, um, Jane, so thank you. And that is, um, will you will you listen to the words of Jesus, like the demoniac in um, Mark 5? I didn't have that on my notes, but it's a fantastic example. Thank you, Jane. 
that um, Jesus is waiting to take your bag to heal you. He is. And you need to stop worrying about what you feel, what you don't feel. All the lies of the enemy that are coming against you all the time. You just need to keep your eyes on the truth of God. You are, if you have put your trust in Christ Jesus, you are highly esteemed and greatly loved. And if you will just receive that, receive it and say, I'm all in. I'm all in. You can have everything. Then you will know a joy, honestly, a joy like no other. And I suppose that's really where I want to leave you. Will you lift your heart, your mind, and your will, and your voice to this God who's called you highly esteemed? And will you, you do like Jeremiah and Paul and Isaiah? They went out. They knew they weren't worthy. They knew who. Paul will say, I'm the greatest of sinners. They'll be afraid sometimes, and they'll get imprisoned, and all sorts of bad things will happen to them, but they will stay with the Lord because they know that he is God. So um, I'm going to pray, and then Mike, wherever he is, is going to play one more song, and then you can all go home. And um, thank you for coming. I'll be around eating cake and drinking tea, so if you want to talk to me and pray about anything or talk about anything, just, you know, you can't share my cake, but you can share my, my prayers. Anyway, Father, thank you that, um, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you that you are a great God. Thank you that you've brought us to this place. Thank you that you're asking us, calling to us to, to come to you. And just to come and leave all of the stuff of our lives, all of the things that just, just keep on coming back, that you're asking us to leave it here and to go out free, to know that we are free and to know that we are loved, greatly loved and highly esteemed. I pray, Lord God, that for each one here, that that would happen today and that we would walk on into the, into the light of a brand new day. And I pray that, Lord God, because I know that that will enable us to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And it will enable us to make those choices and to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And it will enable us to, to want to know your word and to want to pray and to want to be with other believers. And, and Lord, it will enable all of that in our lives. And I know too that it will fill us with such great joy. So I pray, Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the fact that we are a part of your family. And I thank you that you will never, ever, ever stop loving us. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.